0: This is WBAI New York 99.5 FM and WBAI.org online. The time now was one minute past 6 p.m. Stay tuned for the WBAI Evening News coming up.
1: Good evening. The president holds out hope for peace as he predicts Russia will invade Ukraine within days. A cyber attack against Ukraine is linked to Russia as a car bomb narrowly misses a separatist leader in the Donbass region. And Putin prepares to oversee a massive nuclear weapons exercise over the weekend. In New York, the mayor outlines plans to remove unhoused people from the subway system. And California announces a novel anti-gun program modeled on the Texas anti-abortion law. With these and other stories, I'm Paul Durienzo with the WBAI News for Friday, February 18th, 2022. President Joe Biden said today he's convinced Russian President Vladimir Putin has decided to launch a further invasion in Ukraine, saying he has reason to believe it will occur in the coming days and will include an assault on its capital of Kyiv.
2: We have reason to believe the Russian forces are planning to uh, and intend to attack Ukraine in the coming week, in the coming days. We believe that they will target Ukraine's capital, Kyiv, a city of 2.8 million innocent people. We're calling out Russia's plans loudly and repeatedly, not because we want a conflict, but because we're doing everything in our power to remove any reason that Russia may give to justify invading Ukraine and prevent them from moving. Make no mistake, if Russia pursues its plans, it will be responsible for a catastrophic and needless war of choice. The United States and our allies are prepared to defend every inch of NATO territory from any threat to our collective security as well. We also will not send troops in to fight in Ukraine, but we will continue to support the Ukrainian people. By the side of the United
1: States' significant intelligence capability for the assessment, Biden also said recent reports of military action by Ukraine against the breakaway Donbass region was a pretext for a Russian invasion.
2: Over the last few days, we've seen reports of a major uptick in violations of the ceasefire by Russian-backed fighters attempting to provoke Ukraine and the Donbass. For example, a shelling of a Ukrainian kindergarten yesterday, which Russia has falsely asserted was carried out by Ukraine. And we also uh, continue to see more and more disinformation being pushed out by, to the Russian public including Russian-backed separatists, claiming that Ukraine is planning to launch a massive offensive attack in the Donbas. Well, look, there is simply no evidence these assertions, and it devise, defies basic logic to believe the Ukrainians would choose this moment, with well over 150,000 troops arrayed on its borders, to escalate a year-long conflict. Russia's state media also continues to make phony allegations of a genocide taking place in the Donbas, and push fabricated claims warning about Ukraine's attack on Russia without any evidence. Meanwhile, the Russian military announced today
1: massive drills of its strategic nuclear forces. The Russian Defense Ministry said that President Putin will personally oversee Saturday's exercise, which will involve multiple practice launches of intercontinental ballistic missiles and cruise missiles. The maneuvers planned for Saturday pointedly involved the Black Sea Fleet. The fleet is based on the Crimean Peninsula, which Russia annexed from Ukraine in 2014. Putin also met with Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko and invited him to watch Saturday's maneuvers. President Biden dismissed nuclear war games as a sideshow, but admitted he just can't read the Russian president.
2: I don't think he is remotely contemplating nuclear, using nuclear weapons. But I do think it's, uh, I think he is um, focused on trying to convince the world that he has... uh, the ability to change the dynamics uh, in Europe in a way that he cannot, um, but I, I don't, uh, how much of it is a, uh, a cover for just saying we're just doing exercises, and, and there's more than that, I, I just can't, it's hard to read his mind. Both countries hold about a
1: 1,000 nuclear warheads each, more than enough to destroy most life on Earth, soon uh, down from a Cold War high of more than 30,000 weapons that were once held. As the world holds its breath, the parties involved in the crisis have said an agreement is not off the table. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Russian Foreign Minister Sergey Lavrov agreed to meet next week, and Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin called for de-escalation. President Biden agreed a peaceful resolution is
2: still possible. It is not too late to de-escalate and return to the negotiating table. Last night, Russia agreed the Secretary of State Blinken and Foreign Minister Lavrov should meet on uh, on February 24th, February 24th in Europe. But if Russia takes military action before that date, we'll be clear that they have slammed the door shut on diplomacy. They will, have, they will have chosen a war, and they will pay a steep price for doing so, not only from the sanctions that we and our allies will impose on Russia, but the moral outrage the rest of the world will visit upon them. Biden reiterated his threat of massive economic and
1: diplomatic sanctions against Russia if it does invade and press Putin to rethink his course of action. Nevertheless, while Russia announced this week it is pulling back forces from Ukraine's border, US officials say they see no sign of a pullback. Meanwhile, at a Warsaw press conference today, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin said in the event of a Russian invasion, Ukrainians and others could flow across Poland's border. Speaking with the Polish Defense Minister, Austin added the United States is ready to defend its easternmost allies.
3: The deployment of thousands of Russian forces in Belarus, in addition to the thousands surrounding Ukraine to the east and south, put some of those forces within 200 miles of the Polish border. If Russia further invades Ukraine, Poland could see tens of thousands of displaced Ukrainians and others flowing across its border trying to save themselves and their families from the scourge of war. To be clear, as I said yesterday in Brussels, there is still time and space for diplomacy. The United States, the United States in lockstep with our allies and partners, including Poland, has offered Mr. Putin a path away from crisis and towards greater security. Whatever path he chooses, the United States and our allies and our partners will be ready.
1: And that's Defense, uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. The U.S. official was in Warsaw to uh, ink a deal that would send up to 100 M1 Abrams high-tech American-made tanks to the eastern european country the kremlin has repeatedly claimed it doesn't want to invade ukraine but western powers have raised the alarm over a possible war as the self-proclaimed eastern ukrainian republic donetsk has announced mass civilian evacuations into russia And in related news, a car exploded at the parking lot near government headquarters in downtown Donetsk in the uh, eastern region of Ukraine today. The car reportedly belonged to the People's Militia Chief Denis Sininkov of the self proclaimed People's Republic of Donetsk. No one was injured by the explosion. Earlier in the day, DPR leader Denis Pushilin told civilians to evacuate to Russia to avoid getting caught in the crossfire in case of possible attack by Ukrainian forces. Kyiv and the self-proclaimed Donetsk and Lugansk People's Republics have accused each other of ceasefire violations and shelling in recent days. The U.S. and other Western countries have expressed fears Russia could stage a false flag attack to justify invading Ukraine amid reports Moscow has massed around 150,000 troops near Ukraine's borders. And in more news about the gathering war clouds, the United States and the United Kingdom said today that Russian military hackers were behind a spate of distributed denial of service known as DDoS attacks that briefly knocked Ukrainian banking and government websites offline. U.S. Deputy National Security Advisor Ann Neuberger told journalists at the White House today that Washington was seeking to hold Russia to account for its aggressive moves in cyberspace.
4: that Russia was responsible for the distributed denial of service attacks that occurred earlier this week. And I will note that the speed with which we made that attribution, as you note, is very unusual. It was of limited impact because Ukrainian cyber defenders rapidly brought back both the state-owned banks and the Ministry of Defense Networks. Um, And indeed, um, we have provided support um, to those Ukrainian network defenders to ensure that they are prepared for even more potentially extensive um, behaviors or activities. And then finally, we do believe, as I noted, that Russia does use cyber as part of its projecting force, whether that is influencing, coercing, or destabilizing, um, so we do expect that should Russia decide to proceed with a further invasion of Ukraine, we may see further destabilizing or destructive cyber activity, and we've been working closely with allies and partners to ensure we're prepared to call out that behavior and respond when needed.
1: Neuberger said that Americans have data showing that infrastructure connected with Russia's military agency, generally known as the GRU was seen transmitting high volumes of communication to Ukraine-based IP addresses and domains. In a simultaneous announcement, British uh, British officials said the GRU was almost certainly involved in the denial-of-service attacks, which works by flooding targeted websites with a firehose of data. Russia has denied any role in the attacks, which inflicted relatively limited disruption Yet on Tuesday. Neuberger warned an invasion might lead to cyber disruptions throughout the world, but she assured the media, the United States, its allies and private businesses are ready.
4: We have worked closely with the private sector to press critical infrastructure owners and operators in the private sector to take the necessary steps to deploy cyber defenses. We've shared sensitive information. We've shared, most importantly, the specific steps. And we've exercised the maximum of government authorities to mandate those steps as needed. We know that should anything occur, we'll work closely with the private sector to rapidly respond and recover.
1: As U.S. National Security Advisor Ann Neuberger, in more related news, Deputy National Security Advisor for International Economics and Deputy Director of the National Economic Council, Dalip Singh, said Russia's economy was not sanction proof. But he added the United States would target the business interests of Russia's elite and not Russia's 144 million citizens. Either way, Singh says the United States holds all the cards. And the vicious feedback loop we saw in
5: 2014 was determined by Putin's own choices, not prescribed in advance by us. The more he escalates, the more pain he feels. So, look, uh,
1: there's no question in my mind that Putin is not playing a winning hand. And it's not just sanctions.
5: The export controls deny him uh, the critical technologies he needs to develop his economy over time. If he invades, Europe is going to accelerate its diversification away from Russian energy supplies. We'll fortify NATO's eastern flank. All of these actions,
1: not just sanctions, deal Putin a very weak strategic hand. Dalib Singh is Deputy National Security Advisor for International Economics. And deputy director of the National Economic Council. Meanwhile, the United the Pardon me, Meanwhile, the White House said today, removing Russia from the SWIFT international banking system if it decides to invade Ukraine is not part of the first sanctions package the Biden administration would impose. The Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunications, or SWIFT, is a system that handles international financial transfers and is overseen by the G10 central banks. More than 200 countries are part of Swift and over 11,000 financial institutions use it. You're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul De Rienzo. In national news, the National Archives and Records Administration said in a letter today classified information was found in the 15 boxes of White House records stored at former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence. Federal law bars the removal of classified documents to unauthorized locations. Nevertheless, Trump Could try to argue as president, he was the ultimate declassification authority. The letter from the agency also claims White House staff frequently conducted official business using unofficial messaging accounts and personal phones. Those staffs didn't copy or forward their official messaging to the archives as required by law. House investigators want to know if Trump's actions both during his presidency and after violated the Presidential Records Act enacted in 1978 after former President Richard Nixon wanted to destroy documents related to the Watergate scandal. The law mandates presidential records are the property of the U.S. government rather than belonging to the president himself. And here in New York City, teams of NYPD officers, clinicians, and community-based providers will begin canvassing the subway system next week as part of Mayor Eric Adams and Governor Kathy Hochul's plan to reduce the number of homeless individuals in the subway system. They're calling uh, for the subway – they're calling it, pardon, the subway safety plan. It comes during a spate of sensational crimes in the city's vast underground railway system. On Thursday afternoon – A 22-year-old subway performer was stabbed on the L train in the East Village. There were 461 felony assaults in the subway system last year. According to recent stats, 100 more cases than last year. New York City and New York State leaders are under pressure to get riders back on the subway. Since the pandemic, ridership dropped from 6 million trips per day to an unsustainable 3 million. They gathered to announce a new initiative to make New York City subways safe for riders. Linda Perry has the report.
6: Streets of New York City, if you approach an unhoused New Yorker and ask if they need help, if they want to go to a shelter, they'll probably say no, the shelters aren't safe, that they feel safer on the streets and on the subways. While unhoused New Yorkers may feel safe riding the trains, Mayor Eric Adams says they are making our subways unsafe, that riders are deeply concerned.
0: Riding the train, seeing homelessness, seeing fights, seeing just a disruption, Who wants to start their day that way, of that level of despair that's right in front of them as they enter a system just to get to their place of destination?
6: According to Adams, a lack of clarity is creating the conditions we're seeing in the subways, that a full recovery from COVID starts on our trains and our buses. He rolled out the city's new plan to address the problem of the unhoused, which invests in people places and policies our
0: new neighborhood response units staffed by clinicians and peers would address high need communities we know where they are there's one case where women ha- has been living under a stairway in the system for months it's just not acceptable not under my administration that is that is not dignity. That is disgusting. And that's not who we are as a city.
6: Adams says starting next week, New Yorkers will see the teams in action. New York City's incoming health commissioner is Dr. Ashwan Bisan.
0: This is
1: the start of a long-term process. We're putting a stake in the ground for the future. This is about proactively reaching out to support our brothers, our sisters, our friends, and our neighbors, our fellow New Yorkers, members of my family. I have had and have lost loved ones to the effects of severe mental illness and substance use issues. And this work is deeply personal and meaningful to me. And I'm sure many, if not all of you, know someone, someone struggling with unmet mental health needs, sometimes severe and disabling, that risks descent into crisis, but for care, support and connection.
6: Dr. Bisson says we must elevate the humanity of those experiencing mental illness by meeting them where they are, with the services they need, addressing the challenges they face at the time they need it. He says their first step will be to invest in more outreach, to increase contact and access points for people experiencing mental health problems and the lack of housing. We will accomplish what New Yorkers deserve, and that is a safe ride on our subway system at the same time recognizing the very real Humanitarian crisis that has been unfolding before our eyes for far too long. Individuals who deserve better as well. New York State Governor Kathy Hochul is cementing her partnership with New York City. She says while the infection rate in New York is 2.5%, subway ridership is 3 million instead of the pre-pandemic 6 million riders. She says for New Yorkers to go back to their offices, they need to feel safe riding the transit system. to the city and to the hospital and psychiatric health care systems. This includes annual investments, $27.5 million to increase funding for inpatient psychiatric beds, $9 million to recruit psychiatrists and psychiatric nurse practitioners, as well as student loan forgiveness to attract medical workers, and $12.5 million for 500 additional supportive housing beds to house people experiencing homelessness in in their communities.
0: There are many rivers that feed the sea of homelessness, and we have to dam every river if we're going to address this issue.
6: But under what circumstances will New Yorkers be forcibly removed from the subway?
0: If they are extremely dangerous to themselves, if they're dangerous to others, if they clearly cannot take care of themselves, if they are violating uh, the rules of the system and they're not correcting those violations, uh, we are going to use the power of ejecting them from the system.
6: And what about jumping the turnstile? He says that's a big mistake not to enforce fair evasion.
0: It sends the wrong message that someone is not going to pay their fare, and it just it does not create the environment that we need.
6: At his news conference, Mayor Eric Adams holds up a flyer and says there are rules. No sleeping on the train, no more smoking, no barbecue on the train. Those days are over. Ride and get off at your destination. Adams says this is not about arresting people. It's about arresting a problem. Linda Perry, WBAI News, New York. Thanks,
1: Linda. Not everybody is happy with the mayor's plans. The deputy executive director for policy at Coalition for the Homeless is Shelley Nortz, she said in a statement, It is sickening to hear Mayor Adams liken unsheltered homeless people to a cancer. They are human beings. The mayor's own police department recently noted that those who shelter in the transit system are there because they believe they have no safer alternatives. Criminalizing homelessness and mental illness is not the answer. And in more news from our neighbor to the north, police pushed into crowds of demonstrators to clear them from the streets of downtown Ottawa today, arresting 70 and hauling away vehicles that have been blocking the core of the Capitol for more than three weeks in a protest against pandemic restrictions. to
5: go home. We get you. You're under arrest. Turn around. you want to find a different
7: way around some
5: way? If, again, if there's a control line, you've got to be behind that line. I'm willing to take it all the way and by all the way I mean dropping to my knees, putting up a peace sign and they'll have to remove me at that point. I've, I've protested peacefully the whole time I've been here. I didn't. I'm not here for the truckers. The truckers are here for themselves. I'm here for the people that can't be here, like my daughter, my friends that can't be here. Overall, I think, you know, there is a bit of fear in here. Uh, People are here for good reasons. They've come from all across the country. Some of them have nothing to lose, you know, it's just Where do they go from here? And that's the sad thing is they think that they could end it here But they they won't these people have lost everything some of them. It's gonna pop up other places and uh, I I Don't want to get arrested today because I want to be able to continue fighting my fight and I've heard word that you know, If I do get arrested, I'll have to sign a paper saying I'm not coming back to Ottawa. But we need to go somewhere. This is my right to be here. Uh, Even if you are pro-mandates right now, pro-vaccinations, what about two years from now when you're sitting there getting your 11th injection hoping this one won't be the one to deliver the side effects and you think to yourself, how do we let this get to be 100% necessary? Why didn't I realize what they were fighting for when they were fighting? Because this isn't about vaccinations and mandates this is about our overall
1: freedom officers set up 100 roadblocks near the protest site to deny people access and starve them of food and fuel police said they towed 21 vehicles today commenting on the arrest of its leaders freedom convoy 2022 an umbrella group representing the protesters said we will continue to hold the line we refuse to bow to abuses of power the world is watching canada police say clearing the protests could take days and finally, Governor Gavin Newsom on Friday, he's the governor of California, backed legislation that would let private citizens enforce the state's ban on assault weapons. It's modeled after a Texas law that lets private citizens enforce that state's ban on abortions once a fetal heartbeat is
5: detected.
7: Start playing by their rules now and not continue to be on the defense. What Senator Hersberg said was incredibly important The Supreme Court of the United States opened up a door wide open. We're using their rules, those that they seemingly support coming out of the extreme anti-abortion legislation that came out of Texas. And we're going to allow all of you to enforce the rules and regulations and laws of the state of California. And I think that's a good thing. If Texas can use a law to ban a woman's right to choose and to put her health at risk. We will use that same law to save lives and improve the health and safety of the people in the state of California, allowing you to enforce the illegal sales and manufacturing of weapons of war and assault rifles and ghost guns in the state of California.
1: This is not uh
7: about attacking law abiding gun owners. It's about attacking a culture of violence that we've allowed to be perpetuated for too long.
1: And that's California Governor Gavin Newsom today. Texas's new abortion law bars the government from enforcing the law. The idea is if the government can't enforce the law, it can't be sued to block it in court. That hasn't stopped abortion providers from trying to block the law, but so far the United States Supreme Court's conservative majority has allowed the abortion law to stay in place pending a legal challenge. That angered Governor Newsom. California has banned the manufacture and sale of assault weapons for decades, but last year, a federal judge overturned that ban. The law is still in place while the state appeals to the decision. But it inspired Newsom and Democrats in the state legislature to copy Texas's abortion law, but make it apply to gun makers instead of abortion providers. And that's some of the news for Friday, February 18th, 2022. The news is produced with Linda Perry, our engineers, Richie Johnson from New York City. I'm Paul DiRienzo. Have a great weekend and thanks for listening.